Our vision as a company is that every person in every community that we serve has arts and culture as a meaningful part of their life. How amazing would that be? That vision and mission to help arts organizations succeed is really the foundation of our company and our culture. Welcome to the Bragworthy Culture Podcast, where founders and business leaders talk about how they built a company culture that is so incredible, their employees brag about it. Our show aims to inspire you as you build a Bragworthy culture of your own. Culture building is philosophical and practical, and you'll find both discussed here. Grab a pen and a notebook. We're about to drop some knowledge. This episode is brought to you by Fringe, the number one employee lifestyle and fringe benefits platform. With Fringe, you can empower employees with lifestyle benefits that can be personalized to reduce stress, give back time, and spark joy. Fringe, benefits for life. Contact us and find out more at fringe.us. Here's your host, Jordan Peace. Okay, welcome back to Bragworthy Culture. This is your host, Jordan Peace. I'm really happy to be sitting down with Laura Bowden today. Laura is the VP of People at Tessitura, and she's going to tell us about her organization, their culture, and, and why they're thriving. But Laura, thank you for being here. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. This is great. Yeah, this will be fun. This will be fun. So tell us about Tessator. Here's what I know so far. I'm going to give the company line and then you can expand beyond this. So yeah. Tessator is a nonprofit tech company, which that's something we need to talk about right away, dedicated to helping arts and cultural organizations thrive. Exactly. Um, so CRM lies at the heart of the mission and technology mm-hmm. platform. You work with 770 plus organizations in 10 countries. So that's interesting. That probably means you have a global team. We do. So that's something we can talk about as well. Uh-huh. So why don't we just start with, you're a nonprofit tech company. So let's talk about why that is, what that means for you guys, how it shapes the decisions that you make and so forth. That's probably a loaded enough question to start out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you really you got it exactly right. We're a B2B technology company. We provide the software that powers the transactions and databases for arts and cultural organizations around the world. We are also a nonprofit, like you said. To understand our culture, you really have to know our origin story. And, and I'll try to give you the short version of that. Tessitura started here in New York City at the Metropolitan Opera, which is the largest performing arts organization in North America. And the Met, as they're known, they had all of their customer information in all these different systems, one for ticketing, one for fundraising, one for marketing, probably all these other lists. And it wasn't serving them well from a customer service perspective. Um, And so they decided they needed to find a unified system with the customer at the center of that to give them a holistic view of their customer. So they went to look for it and it didn't exist. And so they said, well, we're just going to build our own. Right. So this was the late nineties. Fast forward a couple of years, they've built this system. It's working great for them. And then all these other arts organizations started to hear about it. And they said, how do I get this? Right. And now the Met, They're in the opera business, which they do exceptionally well, and they are not in the software business. Right. And they they probably could have sold this off to somebody and been done with it. But instead, they did a really generous thing. They partnered 
with six other arts organizations to form the Tessitura Network, which is the nonprofit cooperatively owned company created to further develop, support, implement, and sell the Tessitura software to other arts organizations. So as a nonprofit, we can't be bought or sold. There's no shareholders. There's no investors telling us how to run our business. Right. This was really important because at that time, most of the ticketing companies out there kind of left arts behind for things that would bring in more revenue, like sports, like stadium shows. And so Tessitura only works with arts and cultural organizations. Hmm. And we're completely grounded in our mission, which is to help these arts and cultural organizations succeed by providing continually innovative technology, by providing products and services to support their business and this technology, and by creating a community. And this community piece is really our, our secret sauce that we bring arts and cultural professionals from all over the world together to learn from each other, to share knowledge and thought leadership, and to really help one another. And our vision should reach for a lofty goal. Absolutely. Our vision as a company is that every person in every community that we serve has arts and culture as a meaningful part of their life. How amazing would that be? That vision and mission to help arts organizations succeed is really the foundation of our company and our culture and what what drives our team every day. That's so cool. I'm curious because I I feel like I skipped right over you. (laughs) We got right into Tessitura. I'm curious now how... Like, what, what does the, all that mean to you? Like, how do you intersect the company, uh-huh. come into this role, VP of people, you're taking care of people, obviously. Like, what does it mean to you to work for this organization? Why is it important for you to work with an organization with this particular mission? It's got to connect to your background in some way. Yeah. It does. It does. Yes, that's a, a good question. Um Nobody's career goes in a straight line, no. right? Every, it's all kind of loopy no. and wavy and circles back on itself. And um, But I have always been kind of at this intersection of business mm. and the arts. I've always been a singer and played instruments growing up. So that's just always something that's been part of me. Mm. Um, and when I went to college, I went to business school. But then I also decided I wanted to keep singing. So I got a music degree and really thought about how I could align those two things, went into fundraising, which is this great mix of strategy and sales and marketing and making connections and and putting people together and kind of being in it for the long game. And so did that for many years. And then in my mid-20s, when most normal people would go get an MBA, I went back to music school and got a master's in voice performance. (laughs) So, you know, just like worrying that I would have this twinge of regret for the rest of my life, I didn't pursue that. And so when did that had a like very short lived career where I realized that there were a lot of other things that would make me happy and fulfilled and I did not need to (laughs) Mm. stick with that. And, you know, one thing led to another and I got connected with Tessitura with Jack Rubin, our former CEO, and have been here about 10 and a half years now. And in varying roles, just started off running our administrative side of the business and legal side, and then kind of added HR more and more and more. And then we had a leadership transition at the beginning of 2021. 
the new CEO. And that was like the opportunity for me to make HR 100% of my job. So right. um, yeah, that's, that's kind of how it led me here. But I've always had that connection, like I said, and that's the best thing about this job too, is that like every day we're doing a little something for the arts. Yeah. And it's great. Yeah. So you've been there over 10 years. So you... I know. I can't believe I've been anywhere over the 10 years. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. You don't, you don't hear that anymore, right? I know, I know. I feel like a generation ago, it was like, oh, yeah, I was there for 35 years. I retired. That was it. That was my career, right? Like, that was so much more normal. Right. Uh, but that, I think that's great. I mean, obviously, you love it. Obviously, you're bought into the mission, mm-hmm. right? I, I love it. So I'm curious. One thing that we talked about a little bit before we press the record button is that you guys have been fully remote for the entirety of the company. So O2, you've been part of it, you know, half that time. So I guess there isn't really a question here around, well, how is that different? But how how is it different than organizations you work for in the past? What's unique about that? How do you go about making connections mm-hmm. and sort of getting together are you getting together you know i'm just curious if you would just play that out because you know clearly this is a very very early example of a fully remote company mm-hmm. yeah yeah and you know being totally distributed for the longest time was a real differentiator for us right because you know you can work from wherever you are it doesn't matter we've got team members in 39 states in the US and five countries and now with this shift, like it's a lot more normal now for people to be able to work remotely. And I feel very fortunate, honestly, that we didn't have to come up with a hybrid solution like so many, many people have because we never had an office. Yeah. But it's not for everybody. It is for a lot of people. But some people really need that that in-person physical contact, at least on a semi-regular basis. What I have learned or what I can say about being successful in a virtual environment is there's always somebody who's on at our company. Like we're, we span like 14 time zones. It's never going to be a convenient time to get the entire global team together in a meeting. It's going to be early or late for somebody. You really have to think about your communication and almost over communicate and be super inclusive and think about how you can asynchronously communicate Mm-hmm. to people. We do a lot of recording of meetings because like I said, not everybody right. can be there. And so there's also like we talked about a little bit, we used to get our team together twice a year in person, once at our global user conference and once at a, a meeting that was just for our team. And mm-hmm. we haven't done that since 2020, early 2020. And so really rethinking right now, how is that going to look in the future for us? when there really is, there's such an importance to that face time. And we were very successful virtually, but you still can't replace seeing somebody in person and getting to know them. And the way that that builds trust, the way that Mm -hmm. it it builds connections, even just having some social time together, spontaneous professional development, one of my colleagues calls it. So really thinking about how that's going to look for us as we emerge from this pandemic time. Right. Yeah. What do those get togethers look like? I know it's been a couple of years, reasonably so. Like what what does it look like when knowing that there isn't other water cooler conversation and time to grab a coffee and lunch? And so there's this 
kind of pent up demand, if you will, for social interaction? Is it kind of a light schedule as a result of that to kind of promote or right. to, to promote connections? Or how do you play that out? Yeah, for yeah. our global team summit is what we would call it. Okay. It's sort of like a mini conference that right. you would have like general sessions where everybody would be together. And then we'd have breakout sessions, which was which would be about like a specific topic or a task or project that we people needed to work on, or it was getting specific teams together to work on projects or strategic planning. And there was a lot of downtime too. And it really was fun because we were, we're in a conference right, center that yeah. almost turned into like our office. And so you'd be walking down the hall and be like, Hey, good to see you. And you stop and just have a quick chit chat and then go on your way. And a lot of social time in the evenings, we had like a, a lounge yeah. party room for lack of a better word, um, where everybody could get together and hang out and, and have some drinks and play games. Mm-hmm. And you just get to know each other. It's that, that social connection is yeah. just, it, it's so important when you, Aren't, aren't together and can't run off and right. get lunch or coffee, you know, on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. Does all that take place in New York? Is it given the Met that started and all of this or? No, no. We've no. been to a few different conference centers. Okay. So for several years, we went to um, the, the Luskin Center, which is on the UCLA campus. We've been right. to the one on the UT Austin campus, a couple different hotels. So you just finding, you know, we've got over 300 people now. So finding a space that can accommodate all of us too. And we were going at the beginning of the year. So one in good weather and so lots right. of, lots of things to consider. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for you, this stuff is kind of an old hat. You've been doing it so long, but I think you did just, but for those listening that are actually making a, a very uncomfortable, very hard transition right into this fully remote or maybe hybrid, but I'll really genuinely, I think most are going to the fully remote. It's hard, you know? And so that's why I keep digging in on this Yeah, because I think listeners are kind of like, what, what are they doing? You know? Um, so I think the next thing that came to mind was if there's a lot of asynchronous communication, which makes total sense and all those time zones and everything else, when you do get on calls, Zooms, et cetera, is there any particular way, and I know it's hard to identify because you've always been remote, but is there any particular way that you guys run your meetings that might accommodate for some of the lack of, you know, passing in the hall, water cooler, time, et cetera? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I encourage, you know, I'm not on every meeting, so I don't know if everybody does it, but sure. I do encourage people to have that little like social time. Yeah. At the beginning of meetings, you know, like you're coming into the conference room and chit chatting, getting your coffee. And so we do that. Um, And I encourage people to just check in with each other. You know, I've got a couple of colleagues where I just have kind of like a monthly coffee check in where we'll just, you know, chat about anything just to have that time together. So it is, I think it is important to make that a part of your routine just to, to check in on each other. And that's been my constant theme over this past two and a half years is the checking in on each other because you're we're virtual because you can't see somebody if they're having a bad day necessarily it is the it, you know what Laura always says take care of yourselves and take care of each other but meaning that you know ask like how are you doing today Jordan like really tell me how you're doing and it's you've got to have that connection and be able to look out for each other yeah. in that way yeah what initiatives are 
kind of prevalent for you guys right now? Just thinking from a VP of people standpoint, from a cultural standpoint, you know? Yeah. One of the things that I noted just, you know, in the, in the notes that we shared back and forth before the podcast was some of your DEI or DEAI initiatives. Uh So we'd love to hear a little bit more about that. And then also just any other initiatives that are going on and just things that you guys are promoting and trying to drive forward as part of your culture right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the one really important thing about our culture, and I'll talk about DEAI that I want to make sure that I share too, is that probably 85-90% of our team worked in arts and culture Mm -hmm. or is artistic themselves, right? And so they just have an incredible amount of empathy for what we do. And we have a phrase, our CEO, Andrew Coyne, called live in the culture, Mm -hmm where we want our team to to get out there and go to shows and go to museums and enjoy that with their families. And so we give our team a stipend to be able to do that. Yeah. On an annual basis. And that's a really important initiative that we've done for a couple of years now to to really encourage that connection for our our team. Diversity, equity, accessibility, and inclusion, very, very important for us. And we've kind of started late 2019, early 2020 in, to pick up speed. And then all the events happening in 2020, it accelerated a lot for us as a company. Right. We've got a DEAI committee. We've got a DEAI strategic plan. We've done cultural assessments of our team to really dig into that and understand where we might need to make some shifts and for anybody thinking about how to how to start incorporating that, having a strategic plan is really like the the key thing so that you have some metrics and plans to follow around right. that. And right. so key to that has been our recruiting and a, a real focus on recruiting a more diverse team. And when I talk about diversity, it's racial and ethnic diversity, LGBTQ plus physical and neurological differences, Mm -hmm. diversity of thought and and background Mm -hmm. too. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of work going into that, we for so long primarily recruited from our members, our users, arts organizations who have their own issues with diversity. And so it's kind of this, you know, perpetual cycle of everybody looking the same. Mm So I've worked really hard at that the past couple of years and I've seen a lot of success. And now we'll focus on inclusion. We have a lot of new managers. And so training our management team on how to be inclusive leaders and helping them to understand how to manage to the individual Mm -hmm. to help them succeed. And a focus now to a big focus on pay equity on professional development for everybody in, in an equitable way. Right. So it's a lot. That's a long answer no, to your question. Great. But it's, uh, it, it's a lot of initiatives happening for us and, and all good, all really exciting. Mm-hmm. And we have that's a very awesome. motivated and passionate team who really support this too. That's awesome. What have you seen, you know, since these initiatives have come about? You know, like what's been the reaction from those in your organization that, you might say are not the majority or maybe often marginalized or, you know, however you want to put it. What, what's been the reaction? Has there been this, like you're getting a lot of feedback yet? Are you getting a lot of like, hey, thanks for doing this. this is, I've got some things to say on this front. Like do people feel more maybe invited to speak up and to speak into it as a result? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And it, it 
it takes time to build yeah. that trust and to build that psychological safety where people feel like they can share their feelings and opinions openly. Sure. And so that's part of it. And, you know, as the people HR leader is building that, I listened to your podcast with Colin Mency from Human Rights Watch talking mm -hmm. about how like HR was not always a safe place. Right. And, and trying. So that's, you know, really my personal mission is to try to create that safety for people. But we yeah. really, we want everybody to bring their authentic, their true selves to work and to create right. an environment for that where everybody feels valued and respected. And yeah. Yeah. we're not always going to get it exactly right, but yeah. we're going, going in the right direction, I, yeah. I think. Yeah. And so it's, it's good. Yeah. You know, I think what's, what's kind of cool about just being a part of an organization, just being part of a company in general that's focused on this, that's trying to navigate how do we build a diverse group of individuals rallied around of a mission, rallied around some values that we can agree on, also knowing that we don't agree on everything, right? Mm -hmm, exactly. Like just, just flat out, there's no way you could have an organization of two people and you're not going to agree right. on everything, right? Right. So I, I'm just curious about your experience thus far as you've, you know, maybe dug in a little bit further into building out a diverse organization. You mentioned diversity of thought, mm -hmm. which I think is kind of, that's the one, right, for me that I think is probably the most challenging mm -hmm. because you know when, the, when there's some social event, some political event, something happens in the world, some of your people are very upset. Mm -hmm. Some of your people are kind of feel unaffected. Mm -hmm. Some of your people might even be happy. Right. That this thing has taken place, this change has occurred in society, whatever the case may be. Like, what do you all rally around? Like, what do you all yeah. kind of focus in on and go, this is the place where we value the same in the same way. We agree. Right. Uh -huh. I know there's a million pitfalls outside of that. But like, what is it that I think Tessitura, I, mean, I could probably guess from what you said, but what's the rallying cry, you know, in the organization? Well, ultimately for us, like, everything has to go back to our mission and our vision of arts and culture and the importance of that in the world. Um, but you're, you're right that there's a lot more expectation on companies now to take a, a stand on, on mm -hmm. social things, you know, maybe not publicly, but for us, sometimes internally, we have to be able to support people, like you said, who are feeling all kinds of different things. Right. So underlying you know, having a space for people to share, you know, we have a lot of opportunities for people to share anonymous comments if they want. And, you know, to diversity thought, like you said, you know, we have to respect everybody's opinion and make space right. for everybody, regardless right. of that. Right. And, yeah. you know, there's also the concept that, like, if companies are silent, you're also saying something, right? And uh -huh. so yeah. You, yeah. You, your silence can also speak volumes. And so, it's a tricky thing, Jordan, honestly, it really is. It's a hard question, yeah. but it is just overall, when you're thinking about inclusion, you have to include everybody and uh -huh. whatever their experiences and their opinions are, you have to listen. Yeah. Yeah. It's tricky, but you know, I think why I'm encouraged, I think people in your position, people in, in my position as a CEO of a startup, we have an incredible opportunity to try at least to get it right. Yeah, yeah. Right? Clearly our society and social media has not gotten it right because it's just a lot of yelling. Yes. And a lot of yelling, right? <laughs> it's 
no matter what side you're on, it's just a lot of yelling, right? Uh, not a lot of conversation, not a lot of debate, not a lot of patience, not a lot of grace and understanding, right? At all, at least from what I'm seeing on, on LinkedIn mm-hmm. and these places, mm-hmm. right? But in an organization, you have this microcosm of society where you kind of get to start over and you get to try again to see if you can peaceably build a diverse group of people, right, that can agree on what they agree on and rally together around something. So I think it's just an interesting time in history where people in your position, Laura, just have this incredible chance mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. To, to do things differently to maybe hope maybe do things better yeah. you know so yeah it yeah so i don't bring up these questions to say well you should have all the answers oh, yeah. nobody nobody has all the answers right like that's the whole problem right right yeah but it is i appreciate your honest reply of just like it's tricky because it is <laughs> you know? it's tricky it's really, really tricky. And you know, the underlying yeah. that we can just care for each other and treat each other with kindness and respect. Yeah. And mm. you know, the most important thing for me is that people, everybody feels valued and everybody knows that right. they're making this contribution to our mission and our vision and, right. and the greater world too. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. That's awesome. That's so cool. So you guys have grown a lot and I'm going to wrap up here in just a minute, but you guys have grown a whole lot. I imagine you're still growing. If I'm listening and I'm interested in your mission, I'm interested in the arts. Maybe I've got an arts background, but you know, not, not as a prerequisite, but how do I kind of, I don't get my name in the hat. How do I like, how do I get involved with Tessitura if I'm looking for exactly this you guys are a really unique organization and you know, i'd imagine there's at least a few people listening that are like i didn't know this existed <laughs> this is you know yeah yeah probably in your you're in richmond virginia right yeah i am i am yeah like you know if you go to the wonderful virginia rep there in downtown richmond yeah. and you buy a ticket they're using our software cool. on the back end to do that transaction yeah. and then to like invite you to the next thing. So hopefully you'll become a regular yeah, supporter there. Yeah. So yeah, you know, it's if people are interested from a, a business yeah. perspective for their own companies, yeah. then absolutely, you know, we've got reach out to our website, Tessatura, TessaturaNetwork.com and feel free to contact us from there. And if you're interested in jobs, same thing, yeah. website careers at TessaturaNetwork.com. And I'm always happy to chat with people about what it's like to work here. Obviously, yes. I'm very passionate about that. it. I love it. I love talking about Tessatura and um, yeah. happy, to, happy to talk to anybody about it. Awesome. Well, cool. Well, I'll recommend then if you don't mind, people can also check you out on LinkedIn, maybe send you a message. So it's... Please, please. Yeah, Laura Bowden, B-O-W-D. <laughs> Um, <laughs> uh, so we don't have like we don't have tens of millions of listeners quite yet so you're, you're not going to get flooded you're okay that's great but <laughs> laura I, I really appreciate the time and it's a very rare thing that i get to interview someone that's coming from a perspective of a nonprofit coming from a perspective of 20 plus year remote workforce, really unique, really, really very unique. So thank you for taking the time. This is a a really unique episode for us. Oh, thanks. It's really been a pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. Of course, of course. And thank you everybody for listening today. Like I said, check out Tessitura. If it's helpful to you from a business standpoint, if you're looking for a position in something in the arts, but adjacent to the arts, and clearly a very, very thoughtful culture 
and a place that takes care of their people. So thank you for listening. We'll catch you next week on Bragworthy Culture. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Bragworthy Culture Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a five-star review and subscribe to enjoy future episodes. This episode is brought to you by Fringe, the number one employee lifestyle and fringe benefits platform. With Fringe, you can empower employees with lifestyle benefits that can be personalized to reduce stress, give back time, and spark joy. Fringe, benefits for life. Contact us and find out more at fringe.us.